0: So we're continuing our study in Daniel. We're in chapter 4. Now we're coming to the last 10 years of the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar. And in this account, we see the king on earth finally bow to the king in heaven. And today, from Nebuchadnezzar, what we're going to learn is this. Seeing God and ourselves correctly leads to salvation. So in order to be saved, we have to see God correctly, and we have to see ourselves correctly. Correctly, And this will help lead us to the saving faith that many of us already have, but maybe some of you don't have just yet. So the first three verses in chapter 4 are actually spoken after the event that happens in the rest of chapter 4. So Nebuchadnezzar, now in, this, in these first three verses, as a believer in the one true God, is sharing his testimony with others... He's sharing his testimony with us and how he came to faith in the one true God. So let's look. So this is kind of like the prequel, in a sense, to what eventually happened. So King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs. How mighty his wonders. His kingdom is, everlasting, is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion endures from generation to generation. So here's what he's doing. He's praising God. He's telling all the people, this is how the one true God communicated to me. This is how I understood who he was. And this is how I, I, I understood what I needed. What I needed. So he's saying, like, okay, here is my testimony. It's kind of like, he's like, this is a story all about how my life turned flip. Yeah, you think I didn't know that, right? Um, so that's kind of like what he's saying. A little comic relief there. Um, here's the thing. He's telling us a story. He's telling us a story of how he had faith in the Lord. So, or how he came to faith in the Lord. Let's look. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease, at ease in my house, And prospering in my palace, I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in my bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in. And I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. So now if you remember way back in chapter 2, he had another dream. Do you remember that? And he called in all the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and all the astrologers. But in that dream, he said, I want you to tell me what the dream is, and I also want you to tell me the interpretation. Do you remember what happened if they couldn't? Yeah, they got killed, okay? So he was like, if you can't do this, I'm going to kill you. Then Daniel rises up. That's where we see Daniel, and he rose up. So now he has another dream. The request is a little different. He's like, just tell me what the dream means. Now reading this, we all have to be asking this question. We're in chapter 4, last 10 years of his reign. Why didn't he just get Daniel? Why didn't he just go right to Daniel? Why did he mess with these other people? Well, I think part of the reason is at this point in his spiritual life, he was still not ready to admit that only the one true God had the power to accurately reveal the interpretation. You get that? Remember, he's telling his testimony. So at this point in his spiritual life, he wasn't willing to admit that Daniel was the only one. Then they came in, they couldn't do it, and look look what happens. At last, Daniel came in before me. He who was named Belteshazzar, remember, they changed his name or the king changed his name. This is what we're going to call you now. After the name of my God, that's what Nebuchadnezzar said, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. So he's saying there's something different about this, Daniel. There's like this spirit of the holy gods in him. He's not really willing to name that god yet. And I told him the dream saying, Oh, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and, there, and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dreams that I saw and the interpretation. So because all the others could not interpret the dream, Nebuchadnezzar called in Daniel and he told him the dream. So now what we're going to do is we're going to cover a lot of verses. We're going to cover 37 verses today. Uh, I promise it won't be too long. But this you just got to track with because he talks about this dream now. It's a little bit confusing, but we're going to make it make sense as we see the interpretation. So we're going to start in verse 10. It says this. This is Nebuchadnezzar speaking. He says, the visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to the heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and it was, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head, as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, "'Chop down the tree and lop off its branches. branches. "'Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. "'Let the beasts flee from under it "'and the birds from its branches. "'But leave the stump of its roots in the earth, "'bound with a band of iron and bronze "'amid the tender grass of the field. "'Let him be wet with dew of heaven. "'Let his portion be with the beasts "'in the grass of the earth.'" Let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's mind be given to him and let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones to the end that the living may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. So now here's the dream. Here's the dream. A little bit confusing, but it will make a little more sense as as Daniel interprets it. Here's the dream. But he says to Daniel, I need you to interpret this because the spirit of the holy gods is with you. Again, not willing to name who God is, the most high God, the one true God. But then in verse 19, it says, then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream of the or or the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar then answered and said, my Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. So now this is a weird thing, right? Because Daniel's already kind of seeing this dream and he's upset. Well, why in the world is he upset? Well, Daniel was upset about the dream because it had negative implications for King Nebuchadnezzar. Now think about this for a second. You have a king who at times was angry was telling people, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to kill you. And now you have bad news for the king. How do you feel about that? (laughs) Oh, king, guess what? So basically, he says this. I sure hope this is for your enemies, for the people that hate you. I sure hope it is. But it was not. So then he goes in to the interpretation. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, So that its top reached to the heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and in which was food for all under which beasts of the field found shade and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king, you have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown to the reaches to the heaven and your dominion to the ends of the earth. So now he's saying Listen, Nebuchadnezzar, this tree that you saw, it represents you and how you're a dominant world leader and you provide for the people of your kingdom. Now, at this point, how do you think Nebuchadnezzar's feeling? He's like, I see where the stream is going. The tree got chopped down. Okay? <laughs> so he must be thinking Daniel's probably like, uh, OK, let me just get to the rest of the interpretation here. O oh king. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven, saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is the decree of the Most High which has come upon my Lord, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with all the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox. You shall be wet with dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and it was commanded and it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules therefore o king let my counsel be acceptable to you break off your sins by practice break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening Of your prosperity. So here's what happens. We have this king that is represented by the tree, the watcher, the angel of the Lord, that is proclaiming judgment that will come upon the king if he doesn't turn from his sinful ways, which includes oppressing others that are rooted in his pride. Man, oh man, I could not plan a better week to be preaching this, right? Think about what's going on in this world with Putin. A prideful leader that's oppressing other people. And here's what the Lord is saying to Nebuchadnezzar. Drop that pride. Drop that pride. Judgment is coming upon you. If you don't drop your pride, if you don't stop sinning, judgment is coming. And then he says in the in the passage that seven periods of time, most people... Believe, most theologians believe it's seven years. The kingdom would remain in somewhat tack. That's why it's like roots and the stump were there. The kingdom would remain in somewhat tack. But basically, what's going to happen to Nebuchadnezzar is really bizarre. It's really bizarre. Nebuchadnezzar literally started living and acting like an animal. He actually has a mental condition that literally the Lord judges him, puts judgment on him until he's able to come to his senses and actually name who God is. God and everyone saw this as judgment. Nebuchadnezzar was not willing to turn from his sins. So let's see what happens. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. So it didn't happen right away. So we got 12 months. He's walking around on his roof. We learned yesterday at the men's thing. It's not a good place to be when you're a king walking around on your roof, okay? We know that from King David. So he says this. He was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of what? My majesty. He doesn't say for someone else's glory. He doesn't say for God's glory. This is my glory. Check out what happens. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. We don't have to really figure out, try to figure out what King Nebuchadnezzar's sin was. The main issue, obviously, was his pride. We see a very clear picture of pride. He comes out and says, this is my kingdom for my glory. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, I would never act like that. I would never be that prideful. Well, the reason you might even feel that way might be your pride, okay? Okay. It might actually be your pride. Because you don't know what it's like to be a king, right? Do you know what it's like to be a king? Do you know what it's like to have people bow down to you? Do you know what it's like to say something and that people actually listen? If you're a parent, you probably don't, okay? Here's the thing. We don't know what it's like to be in such a powerful position. But here's the truth. We're all susceptible to pride in some ways we're all susceptible to pride in some ways a few weeks ago my my two sons and i and a bunch of friends we went and rented out the wave pool out in american dream mall there's a big indoor wave pool there so the guy gathers us all together and it's just a pool there's no waves until they turn the waves on and the guy's like okay everybody get together he's not going to tell you he's like if you're used to catching waves in the ocean it's not going to be like catching waves in the ocean i'm standing there like this like i've been serving 35 years this guy's not going to tell me how to catch a wave Four waves, my first four waves I blew. Didn't catch. Because I've been surfing for three or five years. I know how to catch a wave. <laughs> Apparently, not in a pool. Um. Here's the thing: we're all susceptible to pride. We might just not have the opportunity to show it like King Nebuchadnezzar did. So we can all fall to the sin of pride. In fact, the very first sin of Lucifer was pride, which also Adam and Eve was pride. Surely, don't you want to know and be like God and know the things he did, appealing to their pride? So before we go on and see what happens to Nebuchadnezzar and how this whole thing plays out and how he came to the Lord, I want to deal with the pride issue. I want to deal with the pride issue for us. Now, if you don't think you're prideful, just listen in, okay, just to make sure. But how can we avoid the sin of pride and practice humility? How can we avoid the sin of pride and practice humility? I came up with four things. There's probably more, but I came up with four. The first is, remember God placed you where you are. You are where you are and have the position that you have because God placed you there some of us in our pride think it's my hard work i was smarter i was more crafty i was more motivated i did this i did that and you know what some of these things are true because god gave you those abilities some of those things are true but the truth of the matter is is you would not be in the position that you're in now whatever that might be unless god was willing to allow you to be in that position or god actually willed you into that position remember Nebuchadnezzar was made the king. Do you remember what one of the first things he did to God's people? He took him into captivity. And we're all like, why in the world would God raise up this guy who's doing these terrible things to God's people? Think about it now. Why in the world is Putin, the president of Russia, doing this to the Ukrainian people? I mean, all, obviously there's a bunch of different reasons, but why did God even allow this guy to be in the position that he's in? The next is this. Use where you are to bring glory to him. Now that you're in that position, how are you bringing glory to God? We talked about this in one of the earlier weeks. Nebuchadnezzar was impressed, right, with his own glory. He's walking around the roof, look at my kingdom. I'm amazing. My glory. Look, everybody is going to be talking about me for centuries to come. What Nebuchadnezzar didn't realize is like, yep, we will, but not because of what you think we will. God does raise us up and he allows us to enjoy the positions that we're in. But we have to remember the reason you're in that position is to bring him glory. So whatever it is, work, school, relationships, whatever situation you're in, how are you going to bring God the glory? The next is this. Remember when pride takes root, God will humble you. You know what, if you think you're going to get away with it by being prideful, just remember, pride goes before the fall, or pride goes before destruction. That's what the Proverbs tell us. And it says this, when we are humbled, God will use us in great ways. You know what, God oftentimes brings us low, so that we can be used in a greater way. Now, this is important because we're going to see in a few minutes just this really weird and bizarre picture of Nebuchadnezzar being humbled. It's just like one of those, you know, head scratchers in the Bible. You're like, this is weird, okay? This is going to be one of those things. So God humbled him. But you know what James says in the New Testament? He says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So you know what James is saying? He's saying, learn about pride. Learn about, look at like people like Nebuchadnezzar, people like David, Old Testament examples of people that were prideful and then got humbled and then God used them in mighty ways. Learn about those things and actually take heed rather than going through it like they did. Humble yourselves before the Lord and what will he do? He will exalt you. Exalt means rise to a higher rank. Think about it this way. Think about it this way. If you were a boss or a manager or something and you're looking to give someone a promotion or to hire someone, are you looking for a person that displays humility or are you looking for that arrogant know-it-all? Arrogant know-it-all walks in, right? You're like, eh. You hire the arrogant know-it-all, it's on you, Okay, It's on you. You will struggle with that hire probably for the rest of your life, okay? Until you get rid of him. think about that for a second. So now we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar being humbled. When he heard this voice, immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men. He ate grass like an ox. His body was wet with dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird claws. Ugh, that's nasty, right? I actually Googled, I was like, maybe I could find a picture of an artist rendition. I was like, I ain't showing that in church on Sunday. <laughs> this is nasty stuff right here. I mean, when you think about this, what a gross picture, right? What a gross picture. But here's what's going to happen. What happens next is Nebuchadnezzar comes to his senses He sees God for who he is. He sees God correctly. And then he sees himself correctly, which actually will lead him to faith. And this is all we're going to see in Nebuchadnezzar. This is like his final frontier in Daniel. We're going to see him come to faith in the Most High. So here's what he he says. At the end of my days, so after the seven periods were done, the end of my days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. And my reason returned to me and I blessed the most high and I praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? So here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back. I'm going to break down these two verses. And we're going to learn three things about how Nebuchadnezzar saw God correctly. And the first is this. God is eternal and so is his kingdom. This was back to verse 34. Him who lives forever... For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation. So Nebuchadnezzar was finally able to, among all the Babylonian gods, and among all the gods that they created and the images they created, he was willing to finally admit the Most High. He is eternal. His kingdom is the eternal kingdom. He has dominion, meaning he's in charge. Which brings us to the next thing he learned is God's will prevails. His will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. So basically he's saying, okay, he's the one in charge. I'm not the one in charge. I don't make the gods. The one true God is the one true God and his will prevails. The next thing he sees is this. We have no right to question his ways. We love that, right? We love that. Something terrible happens in your life. you, You don't... You're like, God's like, no, you don't question. You just trust me. And no one can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? What have you done? We have no right to question his ways. Why? Because he is in charge. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. We don't like that. Oh, you have no right to question his ways? Paul says in Romans, you have no right to question his ways. (laughs) Okay, This is something that's repeated in the Old and New Testament. And some of us don't like that. But let me just tell you this, he is good. He is good, so you don't have to question. Now, when Nebuchadnezzar came to those conclusions, his heart was open. His heart was open and ready to see himself correctly. So let's look and see what happens. At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and my splendor returned to me. So now God is restoring him back to the position of king. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. This is amazing. I mean, God's making him a great king. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right, his ways are just, and this is where he sees himself correctly, And those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. He's like, that was me. I was walking in pride. He humbled me. I realized my sin. I see myself correctly. Do you know the starting point of the gospel for all of us is realizing we are sinners? You know, pride tells us that we're not. Right? Pride tells us that we're not. We think of sin as the terrible things. We look at people like Putin and people that are in jail and people that are doing terrible things. We're like, Those are real sinners, not me, not me, but the scriptures tell us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None are righteous. No, not one. We have to see ourselves correctly in order to come to God, in order to come to God. I mean, think about this picture Pretty bizarre, right? Like, look what it says. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom. Think about these guys walking up to Yo, man, those last seven years Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> you were pretty messed up. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you had feathers. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, this is a weird picture here. But everything returned to him. He became human again. And, and the truth is, he saw himself correctly. He was able to admit his sin. Once he was able to admit his sin, then he was able to really see who the God of this world is, the one true God, the most high God. And Nebuchadnezzar, he's telling us this story to encourage us and say, hey, listen, don't go down the same road as me. Don't be prideful like me. Realize who God is. Realize who you are. Realize that you need him. So now here we are on the other side of the cross and we have the king of kings who is willing to humble himself and come and stretch out his arms and die for you and me. What a loving king. I want you to see that king correctly. He loves you. He desires for you to come to him. You just need to admit that you do actually need him and trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. Lord, we're thankful for this whole account, the last four chapters of Daniel and dealing with Nebuchadnezzar and his pride and and just all the crazy things that happened in the last four chapters, Lord. We're so thankful, Lord, that the mighty king that thought more highly of himself than he should finally bowed to you, the king of kings. Lord, we're mindful of what's going on in this world. We pray that the leaders in this world would would see things and examples like this and realize that you are the one true king of kings, and they need to humble themselves before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.